The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. You are listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio. We want to start out the Pet Buzz this day by welcoming WATA at 1450 AM and WATA at 96.5 FM in Boone, North Carolina. So we want to hear from our new listeners. We're excited to have you join us. We encourage you to tweet and post as well as email us at team at the petbuzz.com. Send us your questions, your comments, and of course, pictures of your pet. Right, Dr. Fleck? Absolutely. Appalachia State. Thank you. We love to see them. Oh, they must have a good football team or basketball team, right, Doc? Absolutely. Okay, well, moving on, if you've never listened to the show before, we encourage you to check out our social media feeds on Facebook and Twitter as you're listening to the show. We post relevant content, including pictures of us in the studio. So now... My favorite part of the show, let the countdown begin, Dr. Fleck. Number four. Four. In segment four, Rabbi Mindy talks about how Rosh Hashanah helps us to understand our relationships and personal responsibilities towards our domesticated animals. And for for those of you who don't know, I'm Jewish. Dr. Fleck is Christian. But Rosh Hashanah is the new year and it's coming up. Real quickly. And three, in segment three, Doc Fleck and I are raising awareness that September is National Service Dog Month, a time dedicated to raising awareness of service animals. And attorney Rebecca Huss is here to discuss service dog laws. Number two. 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 Here we scoop up the best pet gossip for our celebrity dish. And you'll find... Fleck facts here too. That's with you, Dr. Fleck. We gotta love that. And one, we're gonna bring on our next guest. He really doesn't need an introduction. All I'm gonna say is good morning, Caesar Milan, and welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, thank you. And I want you know the uh, the thing is I want to be remembered as a guy who um makes sure humans were educated to have connection, communication, and a relationship with you know, I'll be loved dogs. Of course, you can practice this with all animals. Because nowadays, people have relationships with you know, pets, pet goats, snakes, birds. So, you know, humans are definitely getting into going back to Mother Nature connection, which is I'm very excited about it because I'm from a farm. And I have not only dog friends, but I have everybody in the farm with my friends, the chickens, the dogs, everybody. Caesar, thank you so much for joining us. How was the residency in Las Vegas? Why don't you tell us about that? It's going absolutely well. You know, this is something that um, that was part of my bucket list. I am now 50, and I'm always pushing myself to grow and have fun in life. And so this is about my story, Unleashed. This is about, uh, you know, the importance of being vulnerable and the importance of uh, sharing your story so other people can get inspired. You know, they don't know my, my story from, you know, me telling the story personally. And so people are finding it uh, entertaining, enlightening, you know. And so, you know, I just put a perspective on people that not because some people become, you know, famous or whatever, we don't have problems. So what I'm, what I'm getting for people is they finish super inspired and, and they laugh a lot. Well, that's good. Laughter is really important. But I also think by talking about some of your adversity, you also relate to people because I think that's people recognize that, 
you know, celebrities like you are human like everybody else. I think people want to know that. Well, okay, so this is really funny. So I read somewhere recently that you said <laughs> peeing is one of a dog's favorite things to do. And my dogs get to pee all over the world. They pee in Russia and yeah. Spain and India. You know, for a dog, that's yeah. the ultimate traveling experience. So Caesar, I guess my big... My question for the day is, talk about dog peeing and what it means. Well, you know, for, for them, uh, peeing uh, is a way of, you know, a, a way of tracking themselves back home. But at the same time, it's a way of claiming. It's like a real thing, right? So so for them, uh, it's, uh, it allows them to say, look, I have this um, ownership, this land, and you should date me. You know, so for, for my daughter spayed or neutered. Uh, so that's not even, you know, you know, a, um, a problem or, or need for them to, to want to date anybody. But at the same time, it does make them feel, uh, that they are using, you know, this natural way of communication in different parts of the world. Well, well, let's move from territories to celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> so you've gotten to work with a lot of celebrities like Oprah and Jerry Seinfeld. Vin Diesel, all these are favorites. Selma, uh, Tom Brady, of course, my football, great. Giselle, his wife. Okay, so these people own dogs. Are they different than the rest of us that own dogs? Yeah, the same part, because the dogs don't know that they're celebrities. The dogs don't know they're athletes. You know, the dogs don't know. What the dogs know is that the, uh, the humans are not projecting the right, calm, confident, love, and joyful energy. And that's what I help people first. You know, let's, let's, let's align the right energies. And then let's come up with the right formula in order for the dog to have their needs met. See, most people want to train dogs, and they forget about fulfilling the needs, and they forget about them as a role model. What energy do you have in order for you to be seen as as a, as a role model or as a pack leader, whatever you want to call yourself? Remember, animals follow stability. We are the only species that follow unstable leaders. So if you do not project stability... Or, Right? So, yeah, that's something that we have to take in consideration because animals do not follow you if you're not completely stable. And only humans will do that. Uh, so, so I just want to make, I, you know, when I go to people's home and, and, and celebrities or not, it, it just, I just help them get their energy in line, calm, confident, love, and joy in that order. Exercise, mental stimulation, affection, body, mind, heart. And then we set rules, punishment, limitations. And that's, that's what gives the dog the understanding of how to behave. You know what to do, how far to go, how long to do it. Wonderful insight. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking to Caesar Milan. We're talking about celebrities. We're talking about his dogs peeing all over the world. We're talking about now his (laughs) his new joint venture with Happy Again. Now, I've known Caesar for a while, and he's worked with a lot of product manufacturers. So, tell us what Happy Again is and how you'll be promoting the product. You know, the collagen that this product has has helped Junior. Junior is not 13. So for people who don't know who Junior is, Junior is my pit bull. I was always looking for a product that actually can help make their life easier, happier, help their joints. And actually, it works. Not only I believe in the product, it works. I, I make sure that Junior used that for six months before I said, okay, I'm going to sign the contract. So Junior right now is 13 years old and is, and is running and walking and digging and swimming, and, and you know, like like he's five, like he's six years old. And it's, I know people respect what I'm saying, and, and of course they, they already love me, so trust, respect, and love. So I want to make sure that if I'm going to jump on a product, the product actually my dogs would use, and they actually work. 
I think that's great. And, you know, coming from you and having you talk about how you use the product for six months, so you get to learn the ins and outs. And I think that's really important. I mean, we see celebrities all the time endorsing products and then they get a horrible feedback. So it's good to know that you've used this product and you've actually seen the results on a dog that we see you with. So God bless. I'm glad the dog is still moving around. Hey, I want to know what's next for Caesar Milan. You know, my two kids, Andre and Calvin, Andre is 25 now. Um, Calvin is, is about to be 21. They both have TV shows. Calvin had a show in Nickelodeon called Mutton Stuff. So we, I, I, I want, I want to make sure that he becomes like the, the puppy whisperer. <laughs> Andre became like the millennial whisperer. We, we are still, like, we, you know, I'm very excited because now I'm doing this as a pack. Uh, before it was just me, uh, by myself, you know, training the world and, and, uh, uh, influencing, you know, good, good education in the world. But now it's myself and my two kids. We're about to do a show in Europe together. It's called, it's all about family. And we're going to tour Europe together. And hopefully we bring that show back to America. And, and, uh, my kids also are doing the show here in, in Las Vegas. So it's more family. It's definitely more family. The Dog Whisper was, uh, an amazing, amazing opportunity for me, but it's one individual. I think uh, it takes a village to raise a child. I think it takes a family to influence other families. So I'm super excited that my pack, my two boys, are, 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 are joining me in this journey, you know, to, to educate the world, entertain the world, and, and just make the world a better place. I tell you what, I have a family business, too, and my family's with me. There's nothing greater than that. Yeah. That was Cesar Milan joining us on the Pet Buzz to talk about what he's been up to. For more information about Caesar Milan, visit caesarsway.com. And of course, up next, the celebrity pet dish and flex facts. Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss this. My name is Michelle Schaefer. I'm the mom of three boys, and I'm from Haddonfield and North Wildwood, New Jersey. I met Aladdin through my work with Lilo's Promise Animal Rescue, and I foster the emaciated dogs that come into our program. Aladdin came to us. He had been dumped at the side of the road. He weighed about 18 pounds. He had broken bones, other wounds, and he was missing 12 teeth. He was the worst abuse case I had ever seen. The most moving experience that I've had while working with Aladdin were when we were first responders at the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. And Aladdin usually works off leash. He was on leash that night, and he led me over to a very specific person. And here, that man had been in the nightclub the night of the shootings. He and Aladdin shared a very special moment that really made me cry. Aladdin has changed the way I see the world in a million different ways. The main thing is to treat people with kindness and compassion. My name is Michelle Schaefer, and Aladdin and I are individuals. How often should you bathe your pet? Well, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and I'm asked that question often. How often you should wash your dog depends on a number of factors, including his health, breed, coat, and activity level, as well as where these activities are taking place. Dogs who spend days outside rolling and things are going to need a bath far more often than the ones who spend most of their time on the couch. Or you can always take the smell test. If your dog walks into the room and you can smell them, it's time for a bath. Make sure when it's time for a bath, you gather up all the supplies, including a non-slip mat and plenty of towels. Use shampoo formulated for dogs and turn your cell phone off to avoid distraction. And if you have a dog that hates getting a bath, smear some peanut butter on the bathtub wall and let him lick it off while you bathe him. Then he'll know 
bathing can really be a treat. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm petrologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Okay, well, it's time for the celebrity pet dish. Well, let's start out with Kim Kardashian West. She added two Pomeranian puppies to her family. Last week, the reality TV star introduced her new adorable black and white dogs at Instagram with a request to fans that she helped pick out their names. She wrote, meet our new babies. We just need names. Now, she also noted that North, that's her daughter, her oldest daughter, came up with the names that go along with the other Pomeranian sushi. So Kim wrote in the caption, she wants the white baby girl to be named Saki and the black baby boy to be named Soba, like in Soba noodles, or soy as in soy sauce. Some of Kim's fans were really surprised to see that she added more pets to her family after the death of North's hamster, Blacktail West. I love that, Blacktail West. Well, which happened earlier this year. You know, if you remember, if you see the show, Kim, like a lot of other parents out there, struggled with telling her kids about the hamster's death. Okay, Ellen DeGeneres, she is a dancing fool. So, more news about Ellen and her wife, Portia de Rossi. They adopted a rescue three-month-year-old poodle named Mrs. Wallace Browning. Ellen told fans that Wallace is three months old, and she unfortunately was kept with some very irresponsible people. She was kept in a cage outside in the desert since she was two months old, just in a cage on the ground. Ellen shared that she was never able to run. She never had a toy. She never wagged her tail. She just... She just never lived next to Oprah. (laughs) So I guess that means Ellen lives next to Oprah. Well, anyway, it's all changed now. It's all different for Mrs. Wallace Browning. And we wish Mrs. Wallace Browning the best of luck in her new home with the DeRoss Degeneracies. And now, what you've been waiting for, Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Or fiction. Just the facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! It's gonna take long. You got the time. You know, fall weather impacts pets just as much as it impacts people. Just as we take precautions to protect ourselves from cooler temperatures and environmental changes, and we must safeguard our dogs and cats. Dr. Fleck is here to share his top tips for dealing with changing weather conditions and its effect on your pets. Dr. Fleck, I'm going to start out. In our yard, I've seen some mushrooms lately. Rooms, yes, we have some mushrooms. And you know what? It's a good idea to steer clear of those mushrooms. Just get rid of them. Okay. Well, 99% of mushrooms have little or no toxicity, the 1% that are highly toxic can cause life-threatening problems in pets. Since most toxic mushrooms are kind of different to distinguish from non-toxic ones, the best way to prevent pets from ingesting these poisonous plants is just get rid of them. Just get out of the area. Okay. So contact your veterinarian or the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center at 888-426-4435. 
immediately if you witness your pet eating a wild mushroom. Okay, so the best thing to do is just get rid of them. Yeah, get out in the yard and get rid of them. Okay, so, and should I be wearing, like, rubber gloves or and collecting them in a plastic bag or something? I never do, but some people can have a reaction to them, so I would use some gloves. Okay, so big thing. Uh, my nose is starting to run. My eyes are starting to itch. I have fall allergies. Mm-hmm. Tell us about fall allergies and pets. Well, the cooler weather is here, but with the change of seasons comes fall allergies. Okay. Okay. Many people don't realize that dogs and cats are affected by some allergens that plague humans. The difference between our pets and us is in how the allergies are manifested. Okay. While we can see red, watery eyes, sneezing and coughing, more commonly skin issues are the problems in pets. Allergies in pets usually present as itchy skin, ears and feet that can quickly lead to infection. When the skin's natural environment is disrupted by constant scratching, this allows the bacteria and or yeast to proliferate, causing a superficial infection. This infection itself can then cause itching, making the problem even worse. In other words, you can be allergic to the bacteria. Okay. If you see red, irritated skin, small bumps, crusts on the skin, or hair loss that may indicate infection is present, and a visit to the hospital is then probably necessary. Okay, that makes sense because, you know, Ty is always licking his paws or turning red, so he must be picking up, has allergies or bacteria on his feet. Also, another allergy that is not such a big deal in humans can, but can really be torture for pets is allergy to fleas. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was just, that was my next question mm. about flea and ticks. Mm-hmm. Well, as I was saying, some dogs and cats are so sensitive that just one flea bite can drive them crazy and the itching that follows can result in serious skin infections. Okay. So thanks to the effectiveness of medications, Credilio, Comfortis, NexGuard, Seresto, Vantage, etc., etc., this is relatively easy to prevent. Okay. I want to repeat that. Let's prevent it. But it is important to remember that fleas and ticks don't die when the weather is cold. I know you tell me that every, every single day you tell me that. Absolutely. Most importantly, other than allergies, they spread disease like Lyme disease, etc., that means use flea and tick product year-round. Okay, great point. Okay, now what about wildlife? I mean, well, it's autumn, a kind of strange at the time of the year. Yeah, here we go. Autumn is the season when snakes. Oh, you love snakes. <laughs> anyway, the snakes are preparing for hibernation, increasing the possibility of bites to the zonlicky pets who find themselves in the wrong place. At the wrong time. We as veterinarians see that at this time of the year. Pet parents should know what kinds of venomous snakes may be lurking in their environment. Their backyards, for example, right? And where those snakes are most likely to be found, like in the backyard. So pets can be kept out of those specific areas. And that's it for Flex Facts for the week. Okay, well, Dr. Fleck has more seasonal tips, and we're going to put them on the Pet Buzz Facebook page, so you're definitely going to check them out. So there's more of the Pet Buzz coming up real soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Likey of the Week.
You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Know what? What? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look! I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. <laughs> oh, look, they're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy. So I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple, and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie, who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. What you've been waiting for, my I likey of the week. And now I'm going to give it to you. Okay. Right? You're going to get it? I'm going to give it, it to you. Yeah, I got it, I got it. Well, there's something to bark about at La Sala University. With the help of Perina, that's Nestle Perina Pet Care, the Philadelphia University opens a dog-friendly dormed. Now check this out. Outfitted with a dog park next to the building, and there's even a shower on the first floor for dogs. Hmm. So you can wash your dog. Sounds good. I think this is awesome, and I also think it's going to make a great segment. So I'm going to call them and ask them for an interview, and they they can talk about it. How about that? I think it's great I think it's great. And, you know, we've also talked about Eckert College in the past, which is near us. Correct. Right? And they they have everything. They have more than dogs. They have many students who have, like, hamsters and gerbils and snakes and dogs and cats, and probably there's a llama in there, you figure. A lot of exotics. A lot of exotics. Okay, so let's bring on our next guest. Well, I don't know if you know this, but September is National Service Dog Month, a time dedicated to raising awareness and showing appreciation for the extraordinary work service animals do for the people in their care. National Service Dog Month honors these working dogs for making millions of lives better and safe. But I think it's important to also understand the relevant laws pertaining to service dogs, since on a daily basis, we're confronted with some dogs we think are service dogs and some dogs 
we might have a few questions about. Really, really good comment. Joining us today is Rebecca Haas, a professor emerita from Valparaiso University, who is currently the general counsel of Best Friend Animal Society, a national animal welfare organization focused on ending the killing of dogs and cats in the American shelters. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you for having me. Okay, so I'm going to start with a very simple question. Can you tell us how a service animal is defined? So when we think about service animals, usually people think about service animals in a public place like a restaurant or a public entity like a courthouse, a, a public building. There's also a definition of a service animal that's a little more complicated when we talk about an employment situation. But for public entities and public accommodations, under the Americans with Disabilities Act, service animal is defined as a dog that is individually trained to do work or perform tasks for an individual with a disability. There's also some language in the Americans with Disabilities Act that requires these types of entities to make some accommodations for persons who are using miniature horses as service animals. Okay. Now, there's a lot of talk these days about emotional support animals. Are they also covered under these provisions? That's a great question. And, in fact, with the rules and regulations for the Americans with Disabilities Act were revised and effective in 2011, the Department of Justice made it very clear that an animal, in this case a dog, who is only providing emotional support, comfort, or companionship would not be considered a service animal, and that relationship and that right of access would not be uh, provided under the Americans with Disabilities Act. But if you're a person with a disability that has an animal that is providing you with emotional support and there is a connection between the need for that animal and housing, the Federal Housing Act actually has a broader definition. And so in certain circumstances, not under the Americans with Disabilities Act, not public accommodation, but in housing, you may have some protection. Okay, that's really an important distinction these days because we're seeing a lot of these situations, whether it's on planes or whether it's in housing type of situations. So I'm really glad that you were able to explain that to us. Okay, so where are service animals allowed? Essentially, if it's a service animal, again, an animal, a dog that's been individually trained to do work and perform tasks, that animal with his or her attainment should be allowed anywhere the public is allowed. So, for example, in a hospital, the service animal with the person with a disability should be allowed in a patient room or in a public space. But an entity is now required to make a fundamental alteration in policies or procedures. So, again, using the hospital as an example, you can't have an animal excluded from a circumstance like an operating room or a bone unit because that would be too much of an alteration that the entity would need to make. Okay, I got that. But, for example, if I have a disability and I'm going to a football game, I could bring my service animal, correct? Exactly, exactly. Okay, gotcha. So one of the things that comes up, I I think, in a lot of questions in people's minds is the issue of control. So what does it mean by controlling a service animal? So, again, the Americans with Disability Act regulations has a very broad definition of control. So the handler, the person who is handling the service animal, usually the person with disability, 
has to use effective means of control. Generally, that means the animal has to be connected with the person with a disability through a harness, leash, or other tether type, type system. But the regulations also acknowledge that for certain persons with disabilities, it's not possible to physically control the animal. And in those cases, or in cases where for the animal to be able to do their job, they can't be tethered or leashed, the person with disability can control the animal through voice control or signal. Okay. So that, that's, I think that's fair. I mean, you don't really, I have never seen, I've seen a dog trainer or, you know, a dog lover control a dog with hand signals. But if that works and that's something that comes up, because most of the time, wherever you are, there are leash laws in various um, cities, states, and counties, correct? Correct. And again, uh, depending on the reason the person is utilizing a service animal, if they can't hold a leash, for example, they don't have the physical capacity to hold the leash, as long as they have effective control over the animal through voice control or signal, that is sufficient under the ADA. It's important to remember that if an animal is out of control and the animal doesn't take control over the animal, the animal is excluded from a public accommodation. So if there is a problem with a service animal and uh, the animal is out of control, it is it is possible for an accommodation, a, a, a restaurant or another place, to say, we can't have the service animal be out of control. The, the restaurant or other location would then still have to provide services to that person with a disability, but again, can ask for the service animal to be removed. You know, I'm glad that you brought that up because I never thought about someone who might have, you know, a soldier or somebody who might have lost their arms even in an accident or a small child. So I'm, I'm actually glad we're, we're bringing this up. Okay. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with attorney Rebecca Huss about service dog laws, which is something that's always in debate on a daily basis. When it's not obvious what service animals provide, can you discuss the limited inquiries? that are allowed. Cause this happens to me all the time. I have a diabetic alert dog. For example, when I travel with him, because people will walk up to me, they want to pet my dog. He's a smaller dog. I just keep him in a bag until I literally get on the plane and place him at my feet because I really don't want to have all the chatter. So talk about the, the inquiries that come up. What are you, what are people allowed to ask? So if we're talking about the Americans with Disabilities Act and we're talking about, again, a public accommodation like a restaurant, the regulations are very clear that the entity can't ask questions like provide certification or provide some type of licensing evidence. They only can ask if the animal is required because of a disability and what work or task does the animal perform. They're not allowed to ask about the nature or the extent of the disability. Great. Well, I'm going to have you come back. I would be happy to come back. And, of course, the, the new regulations for the Air Care Access Act could come out next week or they could come out next year. So as soon as those come back, that would be a great thing to talk about as well. Great. We'd love to have you back. Well, everyone, that was Rebecca Huss joining us. Rebecca Huss is a professor emerita from Valparaiso University, and she is currently the General Counsel of Best Friends Animal Society which is one of my favorite charities. And she was here today discussing service dog laws. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. So you don't want to miss this.
You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Hey, my name is Rory Diamond. I am the CEO of Canines for Warriors. We are the nation's largest provider of service dogs for disabled American veterans, and we are asking everyone to support Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Persons Act, House Bill 3130. Absolutely critical to do this. It will require the VA to help organizations like Canines for Warriors serve our disabled veterans with incredible life-saving service dogs and to recover from post-traumatic stress. Please contact your member of Congress to support Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Persons Act, House Bill 3130. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We are urban, suburban, and and country. country. I've just been told our next guest is on the phone. Rabbi Mendy is joining us, and I'm so excited. Rabbi Mendy Bucket served as youth director of the Chabad of Sarasota for a year before moving to Lakewood Ranch. He founded the Chabad of Bradenton Lakewood Ranch in 2004. Rabbi Mendy... Welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you. Well, you know, it's interesting, Rabbi. I, I really love having you because you're such a great guest to have. So we know that the Jewish holidays are coming up. The holiest of Jewish holidays are coming up, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And many of us consider our pets as part of our family. So I wanted to know from you, are animals included in the celebrations? Are animals included in the celebration? On a mystical level, yes. On a practical level, do they have to hear the chauffeur? Do they have to fast? Um, no. But as in everything, uh, we know that animals have a very, very important part to play in Judaism. Especially during the holiday of Rosh Hashanah, we see that many different components deal with many different animals. I mean, for example, like the chauffeur, what is that? A lot of people don't know. So the chauffeur is a ram's horn. It's taken from a ram. And we hollow it out, take out the, the cartridge in the inside, and we actually use it as a, uh, as a symbol to, as a cry. Um, it's to arouse God's attention to us to forgive us. It's also to arouse us to ask for forgiveness. And we have to use a, specifically a horn of a ram because the ram had a very, um, important part to play with Abraham and Isaac. Um, in, uh, in future times when Mashiach will come, when the Messiah will come, the ram again plays a very important part. And therefore, you can't use a plastic one, a metal one, a copper one. You can't even have it gold studded. It has to be a simple ram's one. So, Rabbi, what animals play a part in the upcoming Jewish holidays? So in Rosh Hashanah, for example, we have the ram that plays a very important part. We have fish, for example, that play a very important part, where we're supposed to go on the first day of Rosh Hashanah to a pond that specifically has uh, fish inside of it, and we resemble the concept of throwing away our sins, cleansing ourselves of all the past sins. And the reason why we said throw it to specifically fish, because fish don't close their eyes. so. 
we say just as fish don't close their eyes, God should not close his eyes to us and to humanity as well. So again, here we see fish play an important part. Um, there's also a different custom to um, partake of the head of something. So it could be a head of a fish, it could be a head of a ram, it could be why? Because we ask God again, we should be a head and not a tail. We should have a year ahead of ourselves and not constantly chasing uh, the tail and constantly trying to catch up. Gee, I didn't even know that. That's great advice. That's something to look forward to. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Rabbi Mendy of Chabad of Bradenton Lakewood Ranch about the upcoming Jewish holidays and the possible roles that animals and pets play as well. Okay, so Rosh Hashanah, La Maser, Bahama. I don't know if I said that right. The New Year for tithing. Okay, that was good. The New Year for tithing of animals was related to counting animals intended for sacrificial offerings in the temple. It occurs on the first day of Elul. So how has that holiday shifted as regarding animals now? So the, 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 the concept of we don't have sacrifices today. Um, we do not um, uh, slaughter or burn animals to God as long as we don't have the holy temples. We're not allowed to do that today. At the same time, the concept of that your animals don't really truly belong to you, that's the whole concept of Maser, is that ultimately they belong to God. And therefore, you have to treat them as if they are a godly being as well, not just uh, they're just animals, but on the contrary, they have a component of holiness, they have a component that doesn't truly belong to us, and therefore, before we can partake and, and enjoy the animals that we have, a part of them has to be separated and given to God. This is a concept that reflects in every part of our lives. So today, even though practically we don't have that when it comes to concerning animals, but on a level from whether it's our income, whether it's our own our own product, what we produce, whatever it is, a part of it we always separate for God and the other parts we get to enjoy. And that actually is what the animal separation, this master le behemoth, is supposed to teach us. Interesting. Well, you know, some of our listeners want to know, is it wrong to make your pets fast for Yom Kippur? So, I, I, you see, I don't know how, it, I, I don't know if it's, you see, according to Jewish law, a child is not allowed to fast on Yom Kippur. Someone who is sick, I mean, they'll put their lives in danger, is not allowed to fast on Yom Kippur. An animal does not have a mitzvah a commandment to fast on Yom Kippur. And because they don't have a mitzvah to fast on Yom Kippur, to withhold food from them, on my simplistic understanding, that would actually be considered cruelty to animals. And in Jewish law, it's, it's, it's one of those seven Noahide laws that all humanity was commanded after the flood that you're not allowed to be cruel to an animal. So to withhold food, if, if, now if animals are able to not eat, that's fine, but if it's something that you're just doing in order to fulfill a godly commandment, it's on the contrary. It would be the opposite of a godly commandment to withhold food from an animal, because the animal doesn't understand what's, what's going on 100%. It doesn't understand the holiness of why we fast on Yom Kippur. So therefore, because of that, it doesn't have that commandment, so withholding food would actually be cruelty. 
You know, I'm glad that you clarified that because a lot of people consider pets as their family and they kind of want to share their lifestyle, whether it's their religion or it's their love of baseball or football. I mean, not that the two are the same, obviously, but that was one of the biggest questions that people wanted to know from us. Should their pets, because they knew you were coming, should their pets fast on Yom Kippur? Well, Rabbi, is there anything else that you can think of that you want to share with us? Just to emphasize, even if you feel that your pets are part of your family, for example, I have seven boys, and I do not make my younger children fast on Yom Kippur. I'll talk to them about Yom Kippur, share many of the customs of Yom Kippur, but there are certain things that only when you're an adult um, are you um, allowed to fast. It's not only that you shouldn't fast, you're not allowed to fast if it puts a animal in pain or if it puts a human being in um in, in danger of losing their lives or or you know a, a child for example that's not capable of understanding so therefore it's not just that we you know we can want to share but at the same time we share in an appropriate way um, but otherwise Rosh Hashanah is just a time to get reconnected reconnected to your soul reconnected to God and uh there's many opportunities to do that on this holiday. And to get ahead for the new year, just like you said previously. Amen. Well, Rabbi Mindy, thank you so much for all that great information, and thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure, and, you know, ultimately, you know, when it comes to animals and when it comes to our families, and when it comes, it's ultimately as, and it's very important to have Torah and its both and to be, you know, try to connect with God as much as possible. But ultimately, first and foremost, we got to make sure that we take care of each other. We actually care about each other. We actually fulfill the needs that other people have and our pets have and everything else. And then we add all the spirituality. I think that's great advice. Well, everyone, that was Rabbi Mendy, the founder and the rabbi of Chabad of Bradenton Lakewood Ranch. If you're in the area, definitely stop by seeing him in action Going to listening to him give one of his sermons is amazing. He's got a great family. They're there. It's a wonderful congregation. But before I go, Rabbi, I want to say Shana Tova to you, your family, and the congregation. Well, that's the bell. It's always too soon. But before we go, we always want to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're going to start talking about Halloween. We're also going to have Dr. Lori Hess. She's back again talking about exotic pets. And then something really interesting, a new study revealed interesting things about feline scent marking. And then, Doc, can you thank our guests? Sure. Special thanks to our guests, Cesar Milan, Rebecca Huss, and Rabbi Nundi. Great. And always, we have to thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. If you have a question, write us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We will cover it next week. Yeah, and if you've missed any portion of the show, visit us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as your favorite streaming channels, and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pet Buzz. 
The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests. My name is Michelle Schaefer. I'm the mom of three boys, and I'm from Haddonfield and North Wildwood, New Jersey. I met Aladdin through my work with Lilo's Promise Animal Rescue, and I foster the emaciated dogs that come into our program. Aladdin came to us. He had been dumped at the side of the road. He weighed about 18 pounds. He had broken bones, other wounds, and he was missing 12 teeth. He was the worst abuse case I had ever seen. The most moving experience that I've had while working with Aladdin were when we were first responders at the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. And Aladdin usually works off leash. He was on leash that night and he led me over to a very specific person. And here that man had been in the nightclub the night of the shootings. He and Aladdin shared a very special moment that really made me cry. Aladdin has changed the way I see the world in a million different ways. The main thing is to treat people with kindness and compassion. My name is Michelle Schaefer, and Aladdin and I are individuals.